This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios in South Central Alaska, USA. Live and local, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday, right here on KVNT, 1020 a.m. and 92.5 FM. Your best source for morning news, traffic, and weather. Streaming live online at TomAndersonShow.com. Phone lines are open. Dial 907-357-5868. That's 357-5868. Politics and news from a guy who's made it happen. Your morning drive just got a whole lot better. Good morning, America. Here's Tom Anderson. Well, indeed, here I am. Good morning, everybody. Happy, happy Tuesday, June 8th. And Tom Steigman with us. Sir Thomas, you drove from Anchorage out to the valley to our satellite studio here, which I always appreciate and remind you, thank you. But how was the drive? Oh, it was great today. Roads are nice and clear. Of course, uh, I came in a little bit early today, so I've been in the studio here since six. Oh, geez. So, you know, cause you know, Tom Anderson likes the studio <laughs> clean and perfect. Cause well, you know, I'm, I'm tired of getting beat with the whip after I the wa- show. I you know? walked in here and I was like, geez, it's clean. What, what, do, how early do you get up? Uh, typically, typically, well, to be here for well, the show or for here for the show and just daily, even when you're not filling in for Rick, I mean, you're an early bird anyway, cause right. of your morning show. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, coming out here, I'm up at four 45, uh, uh, you know, for the show in Anchorage, I'm up at uh, five 15. We go in the air at six in there. Jeez. Cause you know, in Anchorage, I live like 30, well, less than a mile from the studio. I was about to say, <laughs> and by the way, just like Rick. Rick's place is less than a mile from here. Right. Yeah. Rick, exactly. Rick can get here like in four minutes. Yeah. So and that's driving the speed limit. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> no, it's it's interesting with the drive. You and I often talk about that going each way. And I am I picked up my son yesterday and we zoomed in and he said, Man, I love and it's been a while now, but but the the new Eagle River mm-hmm. uh through pass there oh, and, and how they, you know, leveled it more. There's not that steep decline and it really is nice whoever did that project that's one of the best projects in my lifetime Mm -hmm. in south central that i've seen how quickly they did it and how spot on yeah it's uh it's fantastic because you know it was always hairy in the winter you know going down that big hill and everything and i never really liked it in the summer uh you know just that hill there uh, particularly when it was raining and stuff but i'll tell you what there's nothing that beats the drive uh from yeah, at least in my opinion, from the valley back to Anchorage. Boy, as that's you're going true. in, looking at those mountains and everything, it's so it's beautiful. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Driving out, and when you come in to the valley, how many vehicles would you say you see? I mean, it's minor, isn't it? There's very few that are right. going to Matsu in the morning. Oh yeah, yeah, it's smooth driving. I mean, there's. How many vehicles? Yeah, I was ten, twenty, maybe. That's what I mean. I mean, think of the population between Anchorage and the Valley. The Valley is now over a hundred thousand. We've surpassed Fairbanks. Anchorage is with the base in the what three hundred thousand, three twenty-five, three thirty. I don't maybe three fifty plus a hundred for almost half a million. And you're seeing ten cars driving from Alaska's biggest city to the valley in the morning. Yeah, it's just. But it's jam packed the other way, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was about to say the other way. Right. It's but, fascinating just how many how many people in Anchorage live in the valley. Yeah, as you're out there on the highway, though, you know, as always, watch out for those moose because they are out and moving. Uh, I've seen a lot of moose, uh, you know, just on the fringes, you know, eating the trees and stuff. 
But you know, those things can turn on a dime and start to try to cross that road out there. Yeah, no, that's, I I don't know how many fatalities for moose we had over the last year. Typically they have these signs that give the numbers and talk about your tough daytime jobs. Right. Yeah. I got to go to every moose sign and update Update the kills. The kill count. Yeah. Jeez. (laughs) Oh man. Well, a lot of things going on in the news and we can pick what we want. I saw one regarding Governor Dunleavy urging lawmakers to act on a dividend plan. Becky Borer from the Associated Press ADN picked that article up, reports that yesterday Governor Dunleavy urged state representatives and state senators to get moving. He wants them to to act to support his proposal to place in the state constitution of Alaska, a new formula for the annual check for our PFD that we get every year. Some legislators raise questions about administrative modeling assumptions. This is from the article and concerns with dealing with the dividend issue without other parts or facets in their opinion of the fiscal plan resolved. Dunleavy said, it's like whack-a-mole. Every time we come up with a thing to move this along, it's not enough for some people, and you start to become somewhat cynical. You start to say, well, wait a second. You're moving the goalposts constantly to try and fix this issue. Then Dunleavy said, we've not decreed that they shouldn't come forth with ideas. Let's see what ideas they they, they have, but I get his point, and I don't blame him for being frustrated. Republicans said if legislators want to discuss revenues, they can do so in August when a special session schedule. We'll talk about this a little bit more, get into other news. It's Tuesday, my friends. If you want to join us, 357-5868. Phone lines are open. Good morning. Tom Anderson Show. This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. Keep this going. This is a blast from the past. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> tonight. I remember this one. Come on, keep singing, Tom. I don't remember the lyrics. Well, I remember that part. And then it picks it up. One, two, three, go. Yeah, that was a good song. I was like in Arizona State, late seven, late eighties, <laughs> not seventies, late eighties, yeah, nineties. Were you a as a young man? Now you went to Bartlett. Did, were you into music? Were you into? I mean, did you like 
some music? Did you have cassette tapes and then get oh, yeah. into the CDs and all that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, uh, when I got up to Alaska, you know, spent a lot of time, of course, listening to the radio. And uh, one show that I got into when I was in high school was Herb Shanlin. Of with course. Desperate and Dateless. Oh, On KFQ Day. It was like 9 to midnight. You know, and people just calling in with their sob stories. It was hilarious. <laughs> was, so, and wasn't and he good? He was great. And I think that was kind of, you know, one of the things that got me intrigued about radio to begin with, um, you know, was listening to him and then uh, won some sort of a contest where I got to go down to the studio and have pizza and, you know, meet him and a couple other listeners and stuff. And I was like, this is a pretty cool deal. <laughs> that would be fun. And did did anybody ever hook up or connect on that, or was it always just sob stories? Oh no, they yeah. Sometimes they would hook up and those kind of things. Someone but, would call and yeah, say, they would call in. Hey, had a great time, and you know that kind of stuff. It Man, was, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that desperate right. and dateless Herb Shane. Yeah, uh, I tell my story every so often. You know the guy that does the ads for Johnson. Uh, Used to Johnson Tire Company's gone, but yeah, come uh, to Johnson's exactly. Yeah. And he and he did a few others. He still does. I think he Anchorage still does. Chrysler. Correct. And Tolsky, do you remember he used to do bowling for dollars at the the was it uh, what's the bowl Mountain View Bowl? Oh yeah. And one time, my buddy John and I, John Schmitz, we who's a teacher now at Bartlett and a coach, uh, we walked. We were like in elementary school, so we we're at Muldoon, maybe maybe uh-huh. junior high. But we walked along the, uh, I, we either biked or walked, but we went all the way from Muldoon to the bowling alley, and we bowled on that show, and we got picked. And I bowled, and I remember uh, I won bowling for dollars, huh? Yeah, that's a great I mean, idea. I won something. Yeah, yeah. And Chuck Tolsky was the was the host, and nice. he says, "Man, I every so often I see him and." He says, I know what you're going to say. That was a long time ago. I remember yeah. <laughs> late seventies. Wow. So I love the concept though. I might have to resurrect that one. <laughs> well, yeah, no, it's fun. It was yeah. fun. And the other thing is that the other shows for those of you old timers that listen to this program that have been around a while, the other two that I remember, Norma Goodman and mother moose. Do you remember that you were a little, you were too old probably because yeah. this was in the seventies and they used to give away gifts and things and they had the evil Knievel motorcycle where it would go on its own and jump and I gosh I wanted that one and then <laughs> Theta Comstock you remember her Theta Comstock was a was a talk show host kind of of the Maria Downing ill okay and she was on and so the the Theta Comstock Norma Goodman Herb Shanlin and I don't know if there were too many other local TV shows and then there were you know remember before Rick Rydell was Dick Lobdell yeah. So he yeah, was and I, good on and 650. I knew Dick. Yeah. Because uh, we'd been some broadcasting together, you know, sports events, those kind of things. And uh, yeah, he was amazing. Great guy. Always, always a gentleman. And then do you remember Fern Chandonet? Fern Chandonet huh. came on and replaced, I think he, did he come on after Lobdell or was he on a different station or show? But I remember he would hang up on people all the time, and finally they booted him. <laughs> they just said, hey, you're too ag- aggressive. I, I don't know if that's why he left, yeah. but my fellow listeners were like, man, that guy's in. Well, if you'd like us to hang up on you, you can give us a call this morning. Three five seven five eight six eight. That's right. <laughs> I would love to do that. I want to be mean to people. Should we be mean to R- Sir Richard Whitbeck, who's going to be calling in? 
at 7.35? Oh, yeah. You know, if you want to get Rick fired up, just start uh, talking against the Denver Broncos. Oh, that, that's right. <laughs> that'll light a match in a hurry. He's a Denver fan. Are you too? I am. Yeah. Why do you guys but, dig Denver so much? Well, I grew up in Colorado. So Colorado Springs and See, you know, know close that. proximity to Denver. Yeah, I, we. Uh, my dad was in the military. And uh, so we were stationed at the Air Force Academy for four years. And there's two bases right there uh, in proximity to Colorado Springs. So he was at the Air Force Academy for four uh, at the north end of town. Then went to Peterson Air Force Base, which is at the south end of town. That's went, right. Went there for four. He took his one-year remote um, and went to Iceland. So he left the, you know me behind in Colorado Springs. And then when he came back, they're like, hey, since you were on a year remote away from your family, where do you want to be stationed? Well, I'll take the Air Force Academy. Wow. <laughs> so for an Air Force family, uh, we had a 13-year run in the same city, which is crazy. Which is crazy. Yeah, so and, that became home. And then, and then ultimately he got stationed at Elmendorf? Right. Yeah, exactly. And then, so I came up here halfway through my junior year. Wow. Yep. And then here we are today. <laughs> By the way, for those of you that have not gone to Bartlett, please accept my apologies, but who are your favorite teachers at Bartlett? Did you ever have Frau Sanders, Mrs. Sanders for German or Spanish? Oh, man, I don't. Uh, Joe Sanders. No, I had, I, I took uh, French, so I had. Uh, yep, that uh, petite lady. Darina Hollenbach. Yep. Uh, Hollenbach? Yeah, I forget. Some, right along there, she married the soccer coach at service. Oh, boy. Uh, you know, years ago. And, but do you remember we had two scandals at Bartlett? We right. had Satch Carlson, Satch. who wrote for ADN, and right. then we had Mr. Vaughn Kennan, who was the band teacher, both mm-hmm. fiddling around with the dating yeah. the young ladies. Right. Uh, and then uh, who was the other teacher? Wolfley? Mr. Wolfley, he, I think he like, taught history. But he wasn't in those the bad list. No, he wasn't in the bad yeah, list. No, he was like, a good why, guy. He's like, why did you throw my name in there with yeah. Carlson and Vaughn, Vaughn, whatever, Kennan? Yeah, and then uh, we had one other uh, teacher. Uh, I think Contreras was his last yep, name. Yep. Great guy. Yep, I remember him. Yeah. No, we, Jerry Chambers, I mentioned this the other day. Jerry Lusk was at Diamond. Any of you that went to Diamond and Jerry, Jerry Chambers at Bartlett. And I don't know what Lusk taught, but they were the... The big swim coaches. Right. And remember Whitmore. Oh, Larry Whitmore, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was great. He was, uh, and they and we had a really all-star track team during oh, the yeah. years before you and I got there and during. Yeah, and during we, while I was we, there, too. We won every year, and right. that just shows. Do you think coaching is the most important aspect? Do you think the students are the most important aspect? I know that sounds funny. You would think someone would say, well, no, it's the athlete that's the most important. But man, how do you cultivate the athlete? Right. Yeah. I mean, a good coach a, a really good, A matters. good coach can really, you know, Inspire. take even a mediocre athlete and help them excel to the next level and uh, get them motivated, inspire them, just like you were saying, and, uh, you know, help them, you know, do those simple techniques that they need to do to excel. And for, that's a coach's job. For years and years, for those of you that have lived in Anchorage or have not, I'll give you the rundown for high schools. There was West, which is in West Anchorage, uh, you know, in the Northern Lights area, Minnesota there. And Benson, there's Diamond, of course, over in South Anchorage near Bayshore and off of Diamond. And then there is a service, of course, up on the hill. And then Chugiak out, out in the uh, Netherlands, Bartlett, right next to the bases in East High School. 
And the, the old one was Anchorage High School, which morphed into West. But then long after you and I left, I remember I was on the school board when we were planning one of them, South High, mm-hmm. South and Eagle River High came. Right. And and so we have eight. And I wonder how for so many years we got along with only six with our population, but we did. And yeah. then there's Anchorage Christian School. that For, for a time, ABT, Anchorage Baptist Temple, uh, and ACS, uh, that that's a, still is a big school, isn't it? Yeah, they are probably, I would guess, running 700, 750 wow. range. I, I, I'm not sure if it's that high. Uh, yeah, and that's just kindergarten. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know, I know they saw an uptick, uh, you know, this past year because of COVID and everything. And people wanted their kids back in the classroom. So they started enrolling. And the same thing was happening at Grace Christian and, yep. you know, some of the other Christian schools, too. Yeah, no, that's uh, it, when we look at the schools and the evolution of schools, and there's a really neat history. For those of you not like, I think of like a Woodcarver Mike or a Dalton or or Mr. Lee or some folks that haven't lived here, you may not care. And you're in the Valley. Many of you are in the Valley. So you're like, what about the history of Colony and Wasilla and Houston right. and Palmer? And I don't know that as much. I don't give a damn about Matt. So just kidding. <laughs> yeah. We love Anchorage. Yeah, somebody's going to set our Wasilla Tower site on fire now. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. I love Matt. So That's why I chose to live out here. Listen, we're going to come right back and we're going to talk about future power. And not not an Avengers three moment, but Rick Whitbeck is the the director here in Alaska, state director of Power of the Future. He's not so thrilled that Mr. Biden has basically hobbled both the Pebble Mine Project and Anwar, and next will be leasing, and next will be whatever else Joe Biden can think of. And whether it's personal or not, there's a frustration and a ripple effect, and it's becoming a big ripple effect. On our industry, and that's the natural resource industry. We started the program talking about PFD and how much it'll be and what we have in the bank, 80 billion. All that's going to be affected. It's not going to be a ripple effect. It's going to be an earthquake. And the juggernaut that may not be able to be stopped during his four-year term is Biden. And we got to figure out a way to do it. Just Sullivan and Murkowski can't do it. We need other lawmakers in the nation to help and support us. So Rick Whitbeck is up. That's next. Stay with us right here on KVNT's Tom Anderson Show.
This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. 34 minutes after the hour, is that Top Gun? That is Top Gun. Oh, man. Isn't Top Gun 2 coming out soon? I think with old Tom Cruise probably doing his own everything. Yeah, probably. That dude's a rock star to that end. And you know what? When you're talking about someone handsome, intelligent, uh, I'm talking about depth and not just philosophical prowess, but an athlete, you're talking Tom Steigerman, but also (laughs) with us is Rick Whitback. (laughs) How you doing, Ricky? Uh, I'm doing Great, Tom. I'm kind of wondering where you were headed with that. Yeah. <laughs> talking about Steigelman, certainly not me. Uh, right. you know, if, if you want to throw me in on that, I'll, I'll certainly um, I'll accept. Certainly laugh with you. You'll okay, accept. So, yeah. No, I'm just teasing. Rick Whitbeck, longtime friend of mine, and I don't know how long Tom and you have known each other. How long, guys? Birth. <laughs> no, just <laughs> so a real long time. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, not quite as long, but but you are now Power of the Future with Daniel, who's running the show nationally and started it, and you've been on intermittently with us. A lot of things happening, and maybe quickly you could go through what Power of the Future is so people... But it's Power of the Future, correct? Correct. Power, Power of the Future the, is a yep. national nonprofit. Yeah, the, the future. Uh, and the future is bright in Alaska as long as we continue to power it responsibly. Uh, we're a national nonprofit focused on energy workers, Tom. And so, you know, a lot of membership organizations, great organizations in the state, the Alaska Miners Association, Support Industry Alliance, AOGA, all those groups, they focus more on membership of companies and, you know, the, the kind of representing the companies themselves. We dig a little deeper into the weeds and, uh, and, and talk about energy jobs, specifically the workers. We're not a membership group or a nonprofit. Um, so, you know, we get down and dirty with, uh, with the actual jobs that are being impacted by decisions made every day politically and, um, from non-government organizations like, I don't know, the World Wildlife Fund, the Alaska Center for the Environment, you know, they used to be called that. Now they're just this social group that thinks that they're really important to, uh, to every liberal off the wall cause here in Alaska, um, but we, you know, push back against the hundreds of millions of dollars a year that are being spent to kill jobs across America um, and move us towards this um, impossible to achieve today, just transition to green energy. The latest, because we had you on with Keystone and with Pebble and with some other things, we had you on with Trump where it was good news and we were high-fiving then the transition to Biden and a gulp and a deep breath Fast forward, as expected, Anwar comes and Biden says, no, that's off the table. And you got wind of that. You can tell us how you got wind of that because you were one of the first. I saw your press release out. Let's just leave it at I know you have contacts in the head shed uh, of various departments. And to that end, I know you weren't surprised, but what's your take on it? And how, can it be remedied or we have, do we have to wait for a new president? Well, I think, you know, the... The decision to set aside legal signed leases um, that uh, ADA, Alaskan Industrial uh, Export Development Authority, and others had signed with the federal government wasn't necessarily shocking because, you know, Biden had made it clear during his, his campaign that he was opposed to any and all anything with ANWR, right, Tom? But 
the fact that they did this retroactively on a quote unquote um, uh, evaluation basis is, you know, it's easy to see what they're doing, right? They're trying to delay it to where they'll never reopen it. And um, it was a trade-off. I mean, certainly the Biden administration backing the Willow Project, which is 100, 160,000 barrels a day, <clears throat> that's great news for Alaska. But Anwar is just as big an opportunity, if not bigger, and, and now it's in peril. Yeah, I have friends that talk to me about resource development intermittently, just like you do. And we talk about projects and what, where, when. And the big joke is always Anwar. And what I mean by that is my friends or neighbors, when we get into resource development issues, they're like, well, Anwar is never going to occur because under Republican presidents and Democrat presidents, under Republican and Democrat U.S. senators, you know, whether it's a Begich or a Murkowski, uh, father or daughter, under Ted Stevens, under whomever, we've just never got it through. And I wonder, is it wishful thinking? It reminds me of the optometrist bill. When I was a lawmaker, I was asked to do the rad tech bill, which was to license radiologic technicians, folks that work on the x-ray machines and the MRIs. And it gets, you know, really technical or real simple on some of the, you know, you're at the dentist's office. And of course, folks in rural Alaskan places said, no, don't do it uh, because you're going to mess up our ability to x-ray in emergencies. And long story short, and then ophthalmology, the same idea. Optometrists wanted minor surgery rights and prescription rights. Medical doctor ophthalmologists said, no, my point of these two examples, and there are many more, and you've been down there, you get it, is it's to infinity and beyond. They're never going to be resolved, and they're always going to fight, and the lobbyists love it, was my underlying point. The Bickfords and the Mackeys and everybody, they have one on each side. I think Mackey was one that was on the optometrist, Frank, Frankie Bickford with the ophthalmologist, the medical doctors. Year after year after year, they get hired. Big money. And it never resolved. And so bringing it back, you're falling asleep. To Anwar, same idea. Power of the future. Arctic, uh, Arctic power. Arctic this. Power this. It's going to be forever for the nonprofits. You're going to have a job forever. Because those are never going to get past some say. Well, let's let's go back to Anwar, right? Anwar is certainly a long pole in the in the energy tent. Um, I mean, we've already, you know, you and I were kids when Anwar started. I mean, like I was a couple of years younger than you, but we were kids. It's been a while. Fight. It's been decades. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been forty plus years, and so you know, looking at looking at that and saying. You know, it's going to be resolved in the next two years, four years. We're going to have oil, you know, pumping by the end of the decade. Not probably not going to happen. But we, we as Alaskans, had leadership in Washington, D.C., along with leadership in the White House to get, to get past the, you know, at least, at least be on the racetrack, right? We, we opened ANWR during the Tax Act of 2017. Thank you, Senators Murkowski, Sullivan, and Congressman Young. Thank you, President Trump, for signing it, right? And now it's going to be litigated. And now it's going to be delayed by a Democratic president. And who knows what's going to happen, right, Tom? But, but still, here's the thing. It's hundreds of thousands of barrels a day opportunity. It's 10 to 15, 20 billion barrels of oil. Yeah, you know, it's huge. Side, the right? potential's it, it huge. It has tons of opportunity. It may never happen. But 
you know, I don't think that anybody in Alaska should just go, ah, Anwar's never going to happen. We'll just stop thinking about it because it is part of an energy strategy for the state. Whether or not it's realistic, going to happen tomorrow, going to happen next decade, it's still something that Alaskans should keep um, pushing for because of the jobs, because of the revenue, because of the opportunity. And no matter what these uh, green groups tell you, oil and gas are going to be part of the energy discussion for decades in this country. And it's either us finding our own reserves and pumping, you know, and delivering back to market or buying it from a country who may or may not be friendly to the U.S. Makes sense to me, and I would love to see Anwar open, and I don't buy into the cultural and the environmental concerns, and I never have, especially in that area. I do want to get into something when we come back. Rick Whitbeck, Power of the Future, is with us. He's the state director, and breaking news, while Rick was just talking over the last five minutes, Joshua Partlow and Juliet Elperin from the Washington Post, ADN, picked up the article, Alaska Native Corporation deal with conservation nonprofit complicates pebbles. So let me read this here. It says that, uh, well, you know what? It's a big narrative. It's not. Yeah. What's the short and sweet of it? Because the Pedro Bay sold some land. Okay. Talk about it after the break. How about that? Yeah, no, that sounds good. I'm looking though, the fate of Bristol Bay, it's multi-billion dollar commercial fishing and tourism industry and the indigenous people who live there has been contested for more than a decade. I just want to read this one paragraph from Washington Post. Although many of Alaska's elected officials have supported mining, there an unusual coalition of environmentalists, Republicans, commercial fishermen, and Alaska natives helped persuade the Trump administration to block the mine project last year's. And then it gets into Pedro Bay on the shore of Iliamna Lake, the state's largest lake and a natural nursery for Bristol Bay spawning salmon. Okay, that's kind of the lead up, and you can read the ADN article. We'll put it in our podcast clip. Going to be right back with Rick Whitbeck, Power of the Future, talking about Pebble Mine next. Boy, some contentious issues. Where do you stand? If you have a question for Sir Richard, 357-5868. Stay with us. Tom Anderson Show. This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. We are back 48 minutes after the hour, and I'm just typing in my notes for our podcast. Remember, Tom Anderson Show podcast, and you can go to your phone or your computer. You can look at our YouTube videos, the whole shebang. And Pip Alaska, they're one of our sponsors. I like to do them the first hour to remind you, Mike Vanya and team over there, Patrick, Local owned Rick Whitbeck, our friend here who's on with us, part of the future, I'm sure has used them at one time or another. 
And they just, they do the gamut of printing and mailing and specialty mailing and wraps. And I don't mean the food. I mean like indoor decor, outdoor decor, Tom's vehicle outside. Tom, what is that? A Chevy Blazer Ford Explorer? It's a Ford Explorer. Yeah. And it's yeah. nice wrap with KFC. Yeah. So. And, when, and when Rick used to work for me, he's the one who set up the deal with Pitt. Oh, really? Remember, yeah. right? yeah. It was a great wrap deal there. Yes, it was. I'm not talking about best ever, the, cool yeah, one ever, Mr. Whitbeck. Yeah, I was about to say to the extreme, Rick Mike's rocks the mic like a vandal. That's a wrap. Okay, so and it's not a wrap of the interview yet. Gosh, there's so many definitions of wrap. Okay, so Pebble Mine, Pedro Bay, uh, all the stuff that's now attention grabbing. Is that much ado about nothing? Especially when they say, yeah, there's a there's a tension with the community there. I mean, don't most people, not that you've surveyed recently, but wouldn't you assume most want Pebble Mine for jobs? Isn't that fair to say in that well, neck think, of the woods? I, I think that most people near the mine site are supportive of the mine for the jobs and the opportunities and the um, the economic impact of the mine, again, around, the, around Lake Ilium. Now, there are... There has been a narrative, Tom, for the last 15 years that Pebble would kill fish and that Pebble would decimate the Bristol Bay salmon run. And it's a very well-funded, well-coordinated, much-talked-about single narrative, right? Oh, the science will prove that Pebble will kill fish. And it's been repeated so many times, it's kind of like, you know, the lie that you tell yourself, I'm Stan, I'm really good looking. And pretty soon you say it so many times, you start to believe it, even though you're 250 pounds. Well, dude, I lie every day to myself. You're giving me goosebumps. I like that lie. I am thin and good looking. (laughs) (laughs) So sooner or later, you believe it, even though everybody else is kind of like, yeah, look at that. I'm not an animal elephant man. But you know, that, that, that lie has been perpetuated. So when the Army Corps of Engineers came out last year and said, hey, we've done a, an impact study, we've done uh, what's called an EIS, an environmental impact study, and the, the results are that Pebble won't harm the Bristol Bay fishery. They said it like 50 times in this report. There will be no, zero to negligible harm with the Bristol Bay fishery if Pebble is built the way that this mine plan is put together. The environmentalists lost their ever-living you-know-what. They couldn't believe it, but the science was clear. Pebble isn't going to harm fish. And so then, that, then all of a sudden it became, instead of, you know, the science is going to, be, is going to kill the mine, well, the science is junk science and all this stuff. And so these environmental groups, and again, tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars have been spent opposing this, this project, right? Now they have to figure out a new tack. And so the, the new tactics include um, what happened here recently, which is Pedro Bay, uh, a village not in the, we'll call it the shadow of the mine, a village that's been inundated and bought and paid for by environmental groups to sing this false narrative, um, has decided to sell a lot, uh, you know, the, the easements, conservation easements around its village to a to an NGO, an environmental non-government organization, for the purposes of basically blocking Pebble Mine. Oh, They're going to make $20 million off of it. By the way, listen. 
hear that? That's G- George Jacko trying to get in to see Heather Bradner at the Driftwood. Bingo. <laughs> Remember oh, yeah. George that, Jacko that George, represented Pedro Jacko Bay. And his ilk, <laughs> right? Oh, George man. Jacko and his ilk, and Sarah Thiel and her ilk, and these bought and paid for villagers. Hey, man, money can buy a lot of things, right? Money can buy a lot of things, and if you dump tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars a year into scholarship banks and things like that, you start to influence the uh, the people around rural Alaska. That's a lot of money. I know it can buy and, a moon lamp. I bought my son a moon lamp that floats above the lamp uh, infrastructure. Go on. Yeah, no, I just... <laughs> Rick you know, is like, what the story hell? And, I, and I'm disgusted by the story because this isn't about saving the environment. This is about stopping Pebble. And yeah. any way to frame it... I'm with than, you. You know, we're going to take $20 million and we're going to give conservation easements. You're not giving conservation easements. You're trying to stop this mine. And, and at some level, good on them. But let's not have the false narrative that this is anything other than a, 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 a stop Pebble mine grab. Right. By the way, did it hurt that Murkowski and Sullivan and Donald Trump Jr. sided with the anti-folks? That must have been a kick in the you-know-what's for you. Serious. When you heard that, when they all peeled? I know that's when my friend Shalon... Over there, I know. I know. I was talking to her, and she's a good friend. The 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 Samanskis and she's Shalon Harrington now, and Stephanie Victory now, Mary Jack, the lobbyist. You know the Samanskis. Shalon, I haven't talked to her in a while. I was looking at her Facebook, you know, photo with her and her daughter, and it's like Shalon and Ambler. She already bailed. I mean, I don't know how many other people have bailed from Pebble. Is Mike Heatwool still there? Rick, we lose you. Rick's crying. As you say, yeah, it, uh, everything's connected. I'll try to give him a call. Have well, him call no, back in. let him wipe his tears. He's yeah, crying for it. my eloquence. <laughs> he must have hit mute. No, but anyway, you well, you could turn down his, uh, Sir Thomas. You can turn down his side. Yeah, because yeah. I could. Well, you know what? A lot of people are leaving. I, I thought he was disconnected because he wasn't engaging when I was making the comments on Murkowski. He would have interrupted and said, wait a minute. Let me tell you the genesis of that. But bottom line is, I don't think Pebble's going to go through anytime soon. And imagine if you worked at Pebble. Do you think it would be easy money, Tom? I mean, right now it's on a block. Nothing's going to go through. But imagine if you were the head or the second or the third. Serious. Not picking on him, but I mean, talk about easy money. Shalon moved and went over. She wanted to go to a project that has some legs and some life ability, and so switched to Ambler. I mean, I'm, my word's not hers, but she's at Ambler. My Ambler Metals, I think it's called. And so would you work at a mining company? If you yeah. didn't have your job, Would if they said, hey, be our comm director? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, there's a lot of potential in Alaska. These rare earth elements are the ones that I want to see you know, mind. And I don't want to see, we're back with Rick Whitbeck. You heard me asking, what about Murkowski or maybe you didn't Sullivan and Donald no, Trump I, Jr. I, I, that I didn't you. help. I was giving you a great answer and you couldn't hear me. So, um, you know, it was, yeah, it was a kick in the teeth. It was expected based on the fact that they were under tremendous pressure after the pebble tapes were released. Right? Oh yeah. Um, but, I forgot about but, that. That was the catalyst. I forgot all about that. That's right. That's right. You know, and, and, and that was an embarrassing moment for Pebble. Um, you know, the, the fact that they basically talked about, you know, being able to control the Senate delegation was 
Um, By the way, it wasn't that big of a deal. To me, it wasn't as egregious as they made it out to be. I mean, just so you know, I watched it and it was like, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the uh, Byram a lot where he's like, hey, I'm married. Hey, I want you to come up to my room. I want to talk to you to that one gal who I wasn't a fan of. And he's like, I'm falling in love with you. And she's like, uh, and he's like, I'm just, I wanted to convey that to you. I'm a human and I, I have feelings for you. Okay. She leaves. And then they, they bury, literally bury Byron Malati ends up having a heart attack and dies. And I thought, man, that should not have been headline news. In my opinion, same with this, with the pebble. It's like, yeah, he's like, no, we're working with Sullivan. We're working with Murkowski. This is posturing and strategy. And they're like, see, puppeting, this is so right. horrible. And I didn't think it was as big a deal as like an abortion video where they're like, yeah, we're selling baby parts. Whoa, you know, that's breaking news because there's some of those groups that do the videotaping at Planned Parenthood. It wasn't like that. But I mean, I like you say, they made, they're the great communicators on the anti-pebble side and anything you have, they have, they'll make a mountain out of it, out of a molehill. Sure. Well, and money buys that access, right? Um, yeah, it does. The fact that Save Bristol Bay, which is Trod Unlimited, and I know we're almost out of time. The fact that Save Bristol Bay, which is Trod Unlimited, so for all you people who actually believe in responsible development, if you ever go re- renew your Trod Unlimited um, membership, it goes straight to killing off Pebble, by the way, just FYI. Um, but money, the, the tens of millions of dollars that are being spent to kill Pebble, I, I, which I still think is going to happen someday, sure, um, is, is ridiculous. It's just ridiculous that they will... Change the messaging to fit, you know, to fit whatever kind of income stream they can they can generate. Income stream. Oh, I love you, man. No pun intended. By the way, folks, next up we have a couple trout from Iliamna. They're very happy with the killing of Bevel. <laughs> <laughs> with little cheers. Next up is the Jay Ramers Lori Davies show. Could you imagine? <laughs> okay. Oh man. I love you. Can we we throw up on the second part of that? Um, Okay. Rick Whitbeck, we love you, man. We will get you back. Let's maybe we could do this monthly. Would that be cool? Love that, man. Okay, man. Thanks, Rick Whitbeck. Appreciate the opportunity. You bet your brother. The uh, the Rick Milliken slash Tom Steigelman production crew. Can't beat it. Yeah, we love you, man. Cheers. Tom Anderson, you bet you, sir. Signing off. Come right back one hour ahead. This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios in South Central Alaska, USA, live and local 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday, right here on KVNT 1020 a.m. and 92.5 FM, your best source for morning news, traffic, and weather, streaming live online at TomAndersonShow.com. Phone lines are open. Dial 907-357-5868. That's 357-5868. Politics and news from a guy who's made it happen. Your morning drive just got a whole lot better. Good morning, America. Here's Tom Anderson. Six minutes after the hour, Tom and I were engaging in a very uh, interesting discussion. And then I'm like, oh, hi, everybody. We're back yeah. on air, and Tom's like, man, I'm still getting my mind around what we were just talking about. I, I need a see nap. it in your yeah, face. Yeah, I'm just going to let you just talk for the next 10 minutes. I'm going to curl up under the counter here. <laughs> That's right. Well, thanks to Rick Whitbeck. If you did listen to the last hour, some people join us at 8. Uh, welcome. And Rick Whitbeck, Power of the Future, you can find him online. And, you know, they're trying to protect Anwar, Tom, and Pebble mm-hmm. Mine. I'm not a huge Pebble Mine fan, I am a member of Trout Unlimited, and I, you know, I mean, I don't know about that being completely against Pebble, but that one, 
I side with Sullivan and with Murkowski and Donald Trump Jr. Rick doesn't probably want to hear that. I know Joe likes to hear that, uh, one of our regular callers. But on Anwar, I don't see the big deal to open infrastructure there. I just don't. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, we've learned enough lessons over the years. They can do it responsibly. Uh, you know, you take a look at Prudhoe Bay, those kind of things. And, uh, I, you know, I think it should be open. Do you I mean, remember when who's, Prudhoe who's Bay? going up there to visit anyway? <laughs> Agreed. Do you remember Prudhoe Bay when it opened? I mean, I was a kid. You weren't here yet because I know you came in high school. But mm-hmm. do you remember how booming that was in the 80s and 90s? Oh, yeah. I mean, and the money and then the oil spill. You, were you right. here for the Exxon Valdez? Yes. Yeah. And, and you remember that, the money that was made. It was kind of like a mini COVID. Yeah. Where, where, I mean, money was made across the board from boats to hotels to my brother worked up there and he says, my God, they paid a lot. He was just a rock cleaner mm-hmm. and they flew him in and he did all this stuff. And it's like, he's like, Tom, I was making like a thousand, you know, 1500 a week, just cleaning rocks with a hose. Wow. With overtime. And back then that was a lot of money. Right. Yeah, exactly. It was. I mean, you might now it's still good money, but it's not great money comparatively, but back then. 30 years, whatever, how many years back it was. Jeez. Right. So yeah, he's that, was, a that kid was a great payday. And he's in early 20s and making 6000 a month. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know so, uh, guys, you know, who they just, I mean, they paid off their boats because, you know, they were just leasing out their boats for everything. I was going to say 6000 a month is chump change compared to what some made. Right. Some, you know, some of those boats, 1000 a day, mm-hmm. 1500 a day, more than that. Add that up for four months. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. And then and then up on the anybody work on the slope in that time we have any I say old timers but anybody in their late fifties and their sixties and their seventies that worked on the slope I had a lot of friends whose dads left jobs with the city left jobs in the private sector and switched to private sector but like with native corporations or with oil filled services and worked on the slope and you know two weeks on two weeks off one week off two weeks on whatever the combination was they sure brought it in and some saved. Mm-hmm. And some didn't. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, if uh, those folks who saved the money, you know, put themselves in a very good position, uh, you know, for sure. Yeah, My I mean, dad that's... was in the troopers and and was when he retired as the colonel, as the director, he got pushed and some said, hey, come to work for a native corporation, be the head of security. And he said it was huge money, but he just, he didn't want to go back and forth to the slope. Mm-hmm. And he turned down being a commissioner because he didn't want to live in Juneau. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's, it's. Not peace of mind, but it's comfort and where you live and not giving up. You know, we had a nice place in East Anchorage and we were all set and he didn't right. want to disrupt us. And I didn't really realize that till after the fact, but good on him. You know, yeah. we would have had to move or this or that. And he said, I didn't want to do that to you boys. You were at Bartlett. We talked about Bartlett, you mm-hmm. and I earlier, your, your high school as well. And good for dad. Now others, no, I mean, you might say, hey, well, what are you getting at? I was in the air, I was an Air Force kid and we moved around. That's different. I mean, yeah, you that's know a, that's going to happen in the military. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, like your dad, I mean, I've made those same choices. You know, I've had job offers from the lower 48 from, you know, some of the big Christian ministries uh, for me to go down there and work or and you let your even some of the networks uh, really? have offered me jobs uh, that I've turned down. Yeah, simply for that fact, because my kids were doing great in school. You know, they had a church, you know, that we're going to that they liked attending, those kind of things. So why would I mess that up? Yeah. You know, so money's not everything. No, it isn't. And I've never looked at it like that either. I've been offered positions 
over the last 10 years a couple times, either in, believe it or not, in government or in utilities and such. And I like my different point, but I like my private sector job. Yeah. And you you and I have talked about like, hey, I, I brought up to Tom, hey, we should partner on a project here, there. And he says, I like the idea or not, but I like where I'm at. Sometimes you get into a, a position and I know we have people listening that are driving to work that are happy mm-hmm. and others that are not. Wayne Ross the great attorney, Midtown Anchorage War, Wayne Anthony Ross. Yeah. He, he doesn't remember it, but I brought it up to him a couple of times. He told me about, I call it the rule of threes. And he was talking about the fact that he, and not in any order, but that for his career, you got you got to enjoy what you do and help people. You have to, you have to make money. And I think help people was one. Enjoy what you do, help people, help, help the world. And, you know, so pr- provide for your family and for your life, meaning that may be a church donation or a contribution. Mm-hmm. But don't you think those are three fair ones, not in any order? Basically, make money so you can provide, enjoy what you do, enjoy going to work, and then help people. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a lot of times, people meet two of those. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like with this show, I don't make a lot of money from it, but I think we help people and I enjoy it. Uh, uh, you, what you do, you, I know right. you make okay money, but I mean, I, you could probably make more money, but you enjoy what you do and you help people. A lot of times the money is the one where we all wish, but then if you kind of analyze it, uh, maybe we both have a great life and make enough. Mm-hmm. So we, maybe we do meet the rule of three. Yeah. I mean, I'm at that level now. I probably do. Yeah, I wish know, I made more, but I mean, I, I probably am happy. I would just encourage people, you know, if you're in that position where you're doing something that you like. And you've got some money, you know, those two there and you're helping and, and to help some people, that's the next step. So, you know, give some away, you know, I'm not saying give it to us, you know, Christian broadcasting, yeah, Tom Steigerman's I mean, address yeah, yeah, is Tom, on web right yeah, now. Give it to my college fund or something. <laughs> yeah. But you know, uh, you know, out here, uh, in the Valley, you know, you got plenty of opportunities where you can give to help people. I mean, there's my house that you could help. There's the food banks out here, you know, just donate something or give some of your time and see the impact that you're going to have, and that will make a huge difference. Yeah, no, it's very true. Very true. And w- whether Oops. you all use the rule of threes or not, you know, the the enjoy what you do, provide for your family, and and help people, mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the day, that and that's somewhat biblical too, I'm sure. I mean, I doubt the Bible right. would have say, don't enjoy what you do. Yeah. Don't, don't provide for your family. Proverbs 58. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not what it says. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. 14 minutes after the hour, folks, do you want to join us? Phone lines are open. KVNT's Tom Anderson show. The phone line is 357-5868. Good morning and happy Tuesday. Well, that'll be the day when you say goodbye. Yes, that'll be the day when you make me cry. You say you go.
is the Tom Anderson Show. Broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. 18 minutes after the hour, my friends. Happy Tuesday, June 8th, 2021. The ways you can listen to us online, 1020kvnt.com, and, of course, TomAndersonShow.com. It all goes to the same KVNT website. You can go to YouTube. Please subscribe. Do me a kindness. I ask every day. Subscribe to the Tom Anderson Show YouTube page. And every week, every other week, we get a new video up. And we have some fun ones, uh, you know, from Ted Nugent to B.J. Thomas, from Ted Cruz to our U.S. Senate delegation, Michael Knowles, Sebastian Gorka. We've had some fun, fun interviews. And then... You can go to TomAndersonShow.com and listen to our podcast. That's pr- basically we park all of our audios there when we have live shows. And then I put the notes in the description and Facebook. I'd love to get to 14,000 likes on Facebook. That's, I don't know if it's going to happen. I think we could get to 15,000 this year if I do an ad. You know, mm-hmm. just because you do an ad doesn't mean someone will like it. Right. Believe me, I've had a, you know, I've done ads for some of our more, unique clients where it's like, please like our page. And, you know, you spend 50 bucks a week or, you know, hundred a month and you get 10. So it's $10 per like. Yeah. Other times <laughs> I've done like the Tom Anderson show with the polar bear and Northern lights. And it's every three cents is a like, yeah. that's how I built up. And I did an Alaska centric. That's how I built our, our, the Facebook page from like 6,000 to like 11. I just, you know, I got 5,000 likes over a couple of months and then I stopped that ad and I shouldn't have because all of a sudden now I can't get back to that algorithmic happy place. Right. And when I post a pro Trump or a pro Republican and I get very few people engaged, I think is Facebook blocking it. I don't know, but it sucks. Oh yeah. Because def- I'm spending money on it. Yeah. They're know? definitely throttling things. I mean, we've noticed that, uh, you know, on other pages that we have, you know, if we have a link in there or an email address or something like that, it gets throttled back. Uh, but you know, you put a picture up there of, you know, like you're saying a bear, you know, and that thing takes off and, and you know, you get hundreds of thousands of looks and it's amazing. <laughs> no, and I don't know if I get that many, but I've yeah. got, I've got quite a few on some of them. So it'll be interesting to see. I was looking here at various articles and I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's going to happen when it comes to, uh, oh, here's an interesting one. I was looking at one, how Zoom beat Google in a classic David versus Goliath matchup. Can you go to NPR.org, Tom? I can. If, if you go to NPR.org and scroll down, we don't have to play the whole clip because it's nine minutes, but who here listening to my show right now, listening to Tom and Tom, who raise your hand wishes you would have invested in Zoom when it was just a little, you oh, know, what man. stain on your shoe? I yeah. wish I would have. <laughs> Serious, bro. Yeah. I wish I would have invested in Zoom. Now it's the big gun. You know, it's what Kleenex is to tissue. It's what Xerox is to copying. It's it's what Google is to searching online. You certainly don't say I'm in a Bing you. I'm in a Yahoo Tom and see where he lives. No, I Google Tom and I find all those sexy photos online. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I think I have this, set, okay. but I haven't listened to it at all. Yeah, so. no, we haven't listened to it. There may, right. And there may be an ad in the beginning, but let's just listen to a brief bit on how Zoom 
beat Google in a classic David and Goliath matchup. NPR. So, Stacey, how many Zoom calls have you been on today, not counting this one? So many Zoom calls. That's all I do all day is, is <laughs> stare at my face and other people's faces on Zoom. I hear you. And multiple estimates say that out of all the online conferencing software, Zoom is the most popular. Last year, its mobile app was downloaded 485 million times. It's like become the generic name for something like Jacuzzi or Scotch Tape. And that is huge for a brand. But there is a mystery afoot. I'm Sally Herships. And I'm Stacey Vanek-Smith on Tenterhooks. This is The Indicator from Planet Money. The global market for conferencing software is worth $8.7 billion. And there are all these huge players vying for that money. I mean, like Google has 120,000 employees. Microsoft has over 150,000 workers. Zoom has just a few thousand. It's pretty tiny. Zoom should never have beaten out its mammoth competition. So how did it do it? Today on the show, a David and Goliath tale of technology. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Saver Card. You earn unlimited 4% back on dining, entertainment, and popular streaming, and 3% back at grocery stores. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. This message comes from NPR. Okay. Yeah, let's get past that. By the way, an eponym is someone or something whose name is or is thought to be the source of something's name. Okay. So like aspirin or heroin, gunk, granola, escalator, kerosene. You can go down saran wrap. Those were names. Now everybody uses that. Okay. Active trademarks often use generically things like Alka-Seltzer, Band-Aid, Beer Nuts. <laughs> beer Nuts. <laughs> no, but Frisbee. Okay. Frisbee was mm-hmm. a brand. And then now everybody calls that a Frisbee when it's not. Jeep. Jacuzzi. I mean, you could go down the line. I assume Kleenex is one. Yep. Kleenex is one. Pop-Tart. Although I don't see a lot of derivatives of Pop-Tart. Do you? Styrofoam, that was the name. Super glue was one. That was Mm -hmm. a brand. And all of a sudden, now everybody says, you need some super glue. But it's from Elmer's or another company. And oftentimes for, you know, soda, I would just refer to it as a Coke. (laughs) Exactly. I was about to say, even though it's RC Cola or it's Pepsi or Shasta, Shasta. Tom's like, get away from me. Man, that's going back. They're bringing up the Shasta drinks. Lemon lime was the best. By the way, (laughs) you know what? While you're on, try to find out. Look up Shasta, S-S-H-A-S-T-A. A long time ago, we played it when Rick Rick was producing. Shasta, uh, you could put vintage Shasta commercial. And that was a great one. I want a wing. I want a pow. I want it now. I can't remember the lyrics, but there was a, I want a, I want a Shasta. They had some good ads in the 60s and 70s and 80s. What's happened? By the way, rollerblades, another one, Q-tip. You could say, you could say give me a Q-tip, but it's another company that has the little cloth, mm-hmm. you know. Did you find one? Uh, I think this might be it. Yeah. We'll give it a shot. Okay, listen you to know, this. We're, we're going to live on the edge right remember now. Remember this yeah. ad, everybody? <laughs> What do you want? Shasta. 
That was back in the day, man. Remember Fresca? That was my mom's favorite drink. Oh yeah, yeah. I want a Fresca. You know, it's a you know, it's ad like that. You know, the Shasta thing. You listen to that jingle, and I always picture myself. You know, the man or the woman that's singing those jingles, and it's like, how much fun are they having? Because some of these lyrics are just so crazy. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I know. There were some great ads. I mean, we could talk about that for an hour, and I bet mm-hmm. you people could call in and send their their favorite. Do you remember the Indian who wasn't? I don't even think it was an American Indian, but he had the long hair, and you would you would look down at the trash and then zoom in, and he was yeah. crying. Yeah, it was an American Indian. Was he? Yeah. Oh, I always thought that it was like he he wasn't a true American Indian. I read some story. I'll look it up. Oh, I don't know if he was a true one. Yeah, or not, but the character was. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought like you were a, talking about the character. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. I mean, it was that that guy's ethnicity. I don't think was Indian. I could be wrong, mm. but I'm putting here on our on our podcast notes. Tom plays vintage Shasta ad. <laughs> People are like, my God, I want to listen to the show much more. I'm hungry for the show. Do you remember Hungry Man dinners when oh, they yeah. came out? What 60s, 70s, and the microwaves and right. how you could. Oh, man. So uh, have you seen the series, The Foods That Built America? No. Oh, you got to look it up. It is fantastic because that's one of the episodes of how Hungry Man came about and the battles that were going on. Uh, They have episodes about, uh, you know, McDonald's versus Burger King and those epic battles, you know, Hershey and Mars. Yep. And uh, I remember Burger King. I was in Disney World with my parents in the 70s. And I remember the first time we went to Burger King, good, you know, Flame Royal Burger. I'm a McDonald's fan, but, and I remember the first time we went to a Wendy's, which was the downtown Wendy's had opened. Mm -hmm. And I remember it's the only time I've, or twice I've seen the Alaska Native uh, defecating outside, just right outside in front of us. So we leave. We leave Wendy's and I point over and say, dad, look, and some lady's just doing that. And he says, you know, look away and let's go home. She's homeless yeah. and got problems. But I wanted to toss that in to remind you. You're right. But no, uh, do yourself a favor. It's either on, I can't remember if it's on Matt Geo or if Tom. it's on History Channel, but it's the foods that built America. It's, you know, they got some cheesy acting in it, but I mean, it's a, it's a really good series. I love it. Do you want me to go down more memory lanes of Wendy's? You're like, no. Hey, we're it's your show, a, man. We're going to get an FCC <laughs> That's violation. Right. This is the Tom Anderson show, not the Tom Steigelman show, as oh, long as everybody knows that. <laughs> Tom is like, good Lord. Memory lane is filled with piles. Yeah. Okay, we'll come back. Two segments. Stay with us. Tom Anderson show. This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. 34 minutes after the hour, we are back with Herr Thomas Steigelmann, our producer. That's it. 
<laughs> Making it happen, man. That's right, yeah. man. <laughs> Phone lines are open if you want to join us. Do you remember when Zoom was a, a, a sparkle in your eye? Now it's competing with Google. Did you hear the numbers of the downloads? Good Lord. Yeah, that's crazy. But, I mean, yeah, it's just become a part of the, you know, everyday communication you know, part of life now. It's part yep. of the lexicon. It's, uh, it really it's really is. taken over. Yep, the eponym where you say where you say I'm going to search something online and I use Google and I use it right. so much it's synonymous with searching. So the eponym is I'm googling it. I'm going to Xerox this. I'm going to have a Coke. Wait, that Tom, that's a Pepsi. I don't do that as much because there's a. But I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Give me a Coke and someone gives you you know at a restaurant in the south right. a Shasta whatever. Want to play the ad again? Yeah, really. Like, we can kidding. go back to that. <laughs> no, we are going to go back to NPR.org though, and and you can go and look up. I put it in the description. They're they're delineating Zoom and Google and how Zoom did beat Google there. Wayne Kurtzman is a research analyst who covers social conference platforms like Zoom. So he spends a lot of time thinking about why some companies are more successful than others. What Zoom did right was something really, really simple. It focused on delivering happiness. And that sounds so esoteric and so non-business that it's perfect. Okay, wait a second. I have to I have to push back a tiny <laughs> bit here because as somebody who has spent like a great deal of the pandemic on Zoom, I don't I don't know how happy I, Zoom makes me. Maybe a lot happier than not having Zoom. Zoom's mission statement is to, quote, make video communication frictionless. And its philosophy is, quote, delivering happiness. For a lot of us, especially during the pandemic, video conferencing has delivered a lot of happiness. I mean, it has been a way to see friends, loved ones, family that you just could not see in person. It's also been a way to keep your business going. But let's be honest, there is kind of a love-hate thing going on with online conferencing. It does not always make us happy. So we are going to circle back to this later. I will hold you to that, Sally Herships, because we have things to discuss. But in the meantime, Wayne says when the pandemic was at its height, it was this very particular, really difficult time. And he says Zoom offered video conferencing that didn't create, you know, another source of stress. It just works. There are only about seven buttons maximum on any given screen. It just works. And that's actually why we use a lot of Google and a lot of the things we use. When it just works, we're happy. Still, there are these other enormous companies that offer similar services, and Zoom managed to beat them, like Cisco and Google. So let's look at their mission statements, too. Let's start with Cisco's, because Eric Wan, Zoom CEO, used to work there. Stacy, would you please read Cisco's mission statement? Absolutely. Here it is. Quote, to inspire new possibilities for our customers by reimagining their applications, securing their data, transforming their infrastructure. Okay, we'll cut it. Now they're getting into La La Land. But I like mm-hmm. the fact that the reason I played that clip is I like to get into technology and I like people to understand that we don't have to get esoteric on you and into the minutia where it goes over your head. The basics are if you want to do a teleconference, uh, no longer do you have to do Facebook or Google or, you know, my meeting, or there's a bunch of them. Zoom really is a great one. They also have the virtual backgrounds. Have you ever used those? I'm often doing a meeting in France. Okay. <laughs> and, people are like, and people are like, we're paying you too much. We love your conference room. And I'm right. like, oh, wait, let me turn it back off to my office at the house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. You're poor again. Right. 
No, no I've never used the uh, backgrounds on that. It's cool. So, Do you want me to send you? I mean, are you because I have some that I bought. I can send you Dropbox you a couple. They are cool. They're just a nice little conference huh. room with a painting, and you can even put CBI Media on the painting. Oh yeah, yeah, it's just kind of neat. And it's yeah, not overly cool. flamboyant. Where someone's right. like, you're in a not in a real. I mean, it's like basic. Yeah, but yeah, I'd be interested in seeing that. Yeah. I, I mean, I haven't even taken a look at them before, so I just, I've just never thought to do it. Yeah, no, you know, I hear you. So. <laughs> I, I actually bought those for 50 bucks, and I, I bought a bunch of them that fit the Zoom. I don't know if I got ripped off or not, but they mm-hmm. had to send me it in a huge file, and it works. Yeah. And I love when someone, like, does the background as water or on the beach right. or they're in space, and then you're distracted by that. It's like, okay, g- let's go through the health report. How Am I going to live or die? Wait, doctor, why are you on the moon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but I mean, it really has changed everything, and uh, Zoom, uh, you know, met a huge need that was out there when the whole pandemic thing started. I mean, I've I use it a couple of times a week, you know, meeting with people, you know, in various locations, and uh, it's just now it's becoming convenient. You know, now now it's to the point of yeah, I could drive across town to go to the meeting, but you know, I think I'll just conference in on this one. Well, you know, one thing that Zoom has done Mm -hmm. and the pandemic has done in a good way, and not if you're a property manager, not if you're someone that's trying to lease office space, but if you're the business like mine, you can work from home. Oh, yeah. We we have little offices, satellite offices, including here, where if we want to use the conference room and such, I've actually put this address for our studio as, as one of our office locations. But at the end of the day... Zoom meetings, phone calls, texting. I I hate to take away the personal one-on-one approach. Coffee shops can work. You Mm -hmm. you don't have to have a brick-and-mortar office. You do in your tech world, but we don't. I can have a webmaster work from home. I can have a graphic designer. Our lead graphic designer, Cecil Sanders, has a house with a toddler. Why make him go to an office? He wouldn't take the job. I'd lose him. So, I mean, he works from home and kicks butt. Yeah, no exactly. problem. And even the, you know, technology businesses like ours, we don't need as much space anymore because our sales team, they don't need offices in the building per se. Yeah, you know, why? they can, they can do that from the house. Yeah. Why you know, would our you web have designer, them? you yeah. know, and that kind of stuff, she could do most of her work from the house if she chose to. That's what I mean. And yeah. and in your case, do you go to work all day because you like that? You don't need to be at work, do you? Could you work from home or do you, like I was talking to Mike Robbins also mm-hmm. in the radio world or was, and he says, dude, I got to go to work. Yeah. I got to have a place to go and perch and work there. Uh, for me, uh, yeah, I need to be at work because I'll get distracted at home. You know, I'll turn on Fox News and I'll, all of a sudden it's four o'clock in the afternoon. I was like, where did my day go? Yeah. And I, I'm here. I got Cheetos all over yeah, me. I was and, about yeah. to say, totally. <laughs> I'm drooling from my mouth. Oh, and, yeah, man, now all, I'm hungry for Cheetos. Yeah, exactly. But, I, uh, I but there it. are the days where it's nice just to grab a laptop and sit out on the porch. Yeah. Now, of course, during the pandemic, uh, you know, when my wife and son had it, and we've talked about this before, uh, you know, I was doing, That's right, I was doing our morning radio show on the other station from my house and my co-host was at the studio. Uh, so we had linked in together that way. And, uh, Oh th- no, then you bring in LinkedIn America's yeah. number one oh, yeah. professional camaraderie yeah. site. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, it was nice doing, uh, you know, the morning radio show from the recliner. We got to get you to that level. I wish. Get you a recliner in here. Well, what I like is you brought in some camera equipment, and so what's the plan? I mean, do you want to give us a, a hint? I, I like the idea, the notion that we could have video, and, of course, I'm trying to build my YouTube channel. Right. Yeah, well, I'm uh, 
I brought in a couple of cameras that I own personally and just trying to link in the sound boards, getting the sound correct and everything. Eventually we want to uh, let you to be able to see Mr. Anderson yeah, behind the microphone as, as and those kind of things Ill. and, and, no, but I'm and step animated. things up. You but, know, I'm animated oh yeah, and I'm funny and I'm a hyper guy. And so right. I'm not, you know, this is not a boasting moment or a bragging. People may not give a crap about you doing that, but if they did, I mean, we could make it fun. I'll bring in my Eagle mask. We'll yeah. go to town. We're always dancing <laughs> and jumping up at the table. You know that. You'll get the pick the nose moments. Right. It's exciting stuff, folks. Yeah. But uh, with my little bit of extra time out here, <laughs> uh, you know, coming out each day, it gives me a chance to play with the soundboard and try to make this thing work the way I want it to so we can put you on TV. And, I love it. Uh, have a video for your uh, webcasts. Hey, how, uh, Tom, how would you like to be one of the 25 richest Americans? Uh, I'd like to give it a try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, New York Times, while we were just talking, I always get these mm-hmm. breaking news. New York Times just sent out an article. Wealthiest executives paid little to nothing in federal income tax report says, go figure it's a ProPublica report. Boy, are they, I like ProPublica at times, but I wouldn't want to be on their radar. They can also be a little bit nasty. Mm. Left of center publication. Kyle Hopkins from ADN often writes for them. He may work for them, I think, maybe full time now. 25 richest Americans, including Jeff Bezos. This is an article by Alan Rapoport. 25 richest Americans, Jeff Bezos, Michael Bloomberg, Elon Musk paid relatively little and sometimes nothing in federal income tax between 2014 and 18. That's according to an analysis from the news organization ProPublica that was based on a trove of internal revenue service tax data. The analysis showed that the nation's richest executives paid just a fraction of their wealth in taxes, $13.6 billion in federal income tax on $401 billion of their wealth. When we come back, we'll talk about this. What are your hmm. thoughts on the rich and taxes? Should they be funding more? I think so. You might say, wait, capitalism. No, but there's a level. There's a threshold where someone's so rich, pretty soon we're going to have a trillionaire Versus someone that makes eight bucks an hour, there's got to be a balance. So not just revolt doesn't occur, but people can have a decent lifestyle, not under the shroud of someone so wealthy that they control and puppet everything. Ayn Rand, I love you, but uh, objectivism only goes so far. Stay with us. We'll come back to this. Tom Anderson Show. Show broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, seven to nine a.m. Monday through Friday. Okay, we're talking about rich people. We're talking about New York Times article just came out within the last hour. Wealthiest executives paid little to nothing in federal tax. Report says ProPublica article. Alan Rappaport and I posted the link in the podcast description. The twenty-five richest Americans, including Jeff Bezos, Amazon. Michael Bloomberg, New York City, he he helped basically, you know, the stock exchange and the measuring of that, all the technology he created, that Elon Musk, they paid relatively little and sometimes nothing in federal income tax 
2014, 15, 16, 17, 18, analysis from ProPublica suggesting that of the $401 billion, only 13.6% was taxed. So, I mean, you're talking 1%. The documents reveal the stark inequity, this is per the article, in the American tax system and the plutocrats, such as Warren Buffett, Jeff Bezos, Michael Bloomberg, Elon Musk, and others, are able to benefit from a complex web of loopholes in the tax code. Tom, on the break, you said, I've got a fix. And you said- I was talking about the flat tax. Yeah. Um, Steve Forbes brought that up way back when. Right. I mean, that certainly levels the playing field all the way across. And, you know, along with that, I mean, then you get rid of a lot of these loopholes. You you simplify the tax code, you know, a whole lot. You lose a lot of deductions, of course, yep. you know, by doing those. And you give things. some credit, some incentives right. to small businesses. Yeah, exactly. Well, this article says the rare window into the tactics of the nation's top billionaires comes as President Biden said, hey. I think we need to overhaul the tax code and we have to raise taxes on corporations and the rich. President Biden proposed raising the top income tax rate from 37 percent to just under 40 percent. So almost three percent. You know, to you and I, it's no big deal. It's it's huge money. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's negligible. But to the the billionaires, they're like, whoa, you know, three percent is of 100 billion is three billion. We don't want to pay that. So I don't know, man. I just don't know. Yeah, but know. if you got billions of dollars, $100 billion, I mean, what are you going to spend it on? You know, <laughs> I mean, you can only spend so much money in your lifetime. I know. And now, you know, I think probably one of the other counter arguments would be, well, these, uh, you know, billionaires, Gates, those kind of things, they have all these foundations and they're giving their money towards that and donating it. And are they going to stop donating money if they have to pay more in taxes? The other one is you and I were talking on the break. Who's in charge of our U.S. Senate right now? Because we're tied right. 50-50 and the tiebreakers, Kamala Harris, the vice president. So whoever the vice president's party is, is the, who gets the majority. Right. Because their, their team is going to break the tie. And so the Democrats get the majority. Chuck Schumer of New York City is in charge there. Nancy Pelosi of San Francisco is the Speaker of the House. They've won that fair and square, but barely. Mm-hmm. The Democrats have, they're in charge of everything, Senate, House, and the presidency. So you were asking, well, okay, Tom, you get $100 billion more. Who gets that to dole out? The Democrats. Right. Yeah. The, do we want that? Yeah, in this cycle, they do. But, so, and, but you know, it cuts the other way, too. You know, once the Republicans eventually, uh, you know, come back and, uh, you know, have control of the House uh, or the Senate. Uh, you know, it eventually happens. It all goes in cycles like that. But, you know, kind of along those lines, you know, now that we're back into the, you know, Washington side of things. Sure. Uh, another, uh, and I don't remember the what the exact case was, but another 9-0 decision coming out of the Supreme Court. I seems like they're, you know, and I heard it said somewhere else, but like the court has had several 9-0 decisions over the last couple of weeks. Like they're almost sending a message to the legislature saying, don't mess with the number. Because, you know, they can all band together. Yeah, no, well, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. That's a real good point. It's going to unfold, and we're going to see. There's always an effort, by the way, of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which we're in part of. Dan Sullivan wants California to be extracted, extricated from (laughs) from that in the Ninth Circuit and add a new one, I wish. By the way, back to this billionaire, New York Times reporting, the report highlights from ProPublica the techniques that the wealthy often use to reduce their tax bills. Mm -hmm. Uh, They take advantage of, like I said, complex 
these loopholes and there's a web of deductions and they're perfectly legal and they can they can reduce or time even erase tax liability and that includes borrowing huge sums of money backed by enormous stock holdings those loans are not taxed the interest that the executives pay on the money can often be deducted from their tax bills back in 2007 14 years ago Jeff Bezos the chief executive of Amazon paid nothing in federal income tax even as his company's stock price doubled 4 years later in 11, 10 years ago, his wealth swelled to $18 billion. Now he's the richest man on earth. Bezos reported losses and received a tax credit of 4000 bucks for his kids. Wow. <laughs> One example that ProPublica unearthed was that Buffett, Warren Buffett, the chief executive, of course, of Berkshire Hathaway, has long said publicly that the tax code should hit the richer harder. But he paid 27, well, wait. $23.7 million in taxes from 2014 to 2018, but his wealth rose to $25 billion. So wow. he paid like, uh, uh, you know, like 0.001%. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Wow. But see, the folks, Elizabeth Warren, Massachusetts, liberal Juan, Ron, Juan, Juan, Juan Valdez, Ron Wyden of Oregon. I mean, they're the ones trying to go after them. And, I, you know, that does not really resonate with the public mm-hmm. when Elizabeth Warren is the champion to tax the rich Miss American Indian getting into prof- professorial jobs and such lying. I'm right. not a fan of hers. Ron Wyden I can deal with, but he's a liberal. He's like a Les Guerra or, uh, you know, I think of the liberals on the Anchorage assembly that some people respect or, or the liberals and the, you know, Tom Bagich, the state Senator in Alaska where people like him, but he's a lib. Uh, that's that's Ron Wyden, the U.S. Senator from Oregon, one of one of the two. And so when, when they are the spokespeople for heavy taxes, I don't think that resonates with people. You know yeah, what I mean? I you got to so get either. a chance. It's kind of like when we talked about Lisa Murkowski and Dan Sullivan and Don Young and mm-hmm. and uh, Don Trump Jr. That killed Pebble as much as anything else. You need people of that nature that can go up and say, hey, let's tax the rich better. And, and then when you pull back the curtain, Wizard of Oz moment, and you see that, like Warren Buffett says, hey, hey up our taxes, but he's not paying. Or, you know, Bill right. Gates, Bill Gates and Melinda Gates divorcing, and the, now there's a there's a highlight and there's a spotlight on the on the uh the Gates Foundation, what they're doing, where the money's going. Dalton's been calling in about that for years. You think, how oh, do we trust anybody? Yeah. Exactly. No, I I'm not a conspiratorial guy. But but you know that. And I remember as a lawmaker, you know, we would talk behind closed doors or in session and had plans, not maleficent plans, not mischievous plans, but just we plan things and someone could say, well, you're conspiring. I wouldn't call it that, but I guarantee the rich folks out there talk and I guarantee oh, yeah. banks talk and I guarantee Absolutely. not in a not in a bad way, but I know that they're I bet you the Romans talked and the Egyptians talked and the Amazonians talked. You know what I'm saying? Some would label that conspiracy. You know, it's the Rothschilds. It's the banking system. It's the Masons and the Shriners, all this, <laughs> you know, Tom Hanks movie. I don't buy that. But I do think people coalesce and plan, and I bet you privately the rich say, hey, we could really change that. You've watched movies about Washington, D.C., and the World Bank, and the world right. this, and the world that, and the, and the Olympics, and the United Nations. I'm sure that stuff happens, don't you? Not super conspiratorial, but enough where 
there are backroom deals being made always. I oh. do think that. Yeah, when you got deep pockets like that, you can influence a lot of things and get a lot of things to go your way. No but I mean, the pandemic it. is fake. That It's right. not a virus. I don't buy that. Fauci's tricking us. I don't buy that. But I do think at one time, probably the, we are sidling up to Chinese and funding in one way or another. Mm-hmm. We buy our rare earth elements from them to make our military weapons, which we then rattle our saber to say, you better be careful. There's so many connections. I right. don't know them all but and you talked about hacking and i'm like all those damn russians and chinese and you're like we do it too and i'm like no we don't you're like yes we do oh yeah daily i'm sure (laughs) we got whole cyber force teams and do you ever think sometimes whenever they say oh my god we got hacked okay it was resolved we ransomed we got the money back Mm -hmm. do you ever think that's all us and nothing was hacked it was just us or anonymous threatening people you see anonymous Mm -hmm. i am anonymous do you ever think that's us it could be. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I haven't put a lot of thought into that, but sure. How about this? How about you drive back to the studio in Anchorage and you look in the rearview mirror and Lila and I are in the back seat? Would you scream? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Tom is like, every day, thank God for Advil, because that's what I take when I drive home. Okay, well, we're, Lila hurt her back, by the way. We're going to go to well, a chiropractor right after this, oh. and she's going to get work on. She hasn't been to a chiropractor. I hope they can help, but yeah. I, I hear chiropractors can be miracle resolvers. Uh, you know, we the one see. that my uh, wife sees, uh, Dr. Rich Elam in Anchorage, yep. uh, does a fantastic job. Uh, you know, I had some trouble with my back. Uh, I had sworn I'd never go to a chiropractor, and yep. Rich is a good friend of mine. Yep. Uh, so he's harassed me for years to get onto his table. Uh, but you know what? When I was having trouble with my back and my hip, I they went. Helped. And yeah, it really did they help. They really are good. I've heard that. I haven't been to one in a long time, but we're, we'll let you know how that goes, Valley Chiropractic. Folks, enjoy your Tuesday. We're going to have the, the podcast up later with the description if you miss some of the stories and want to hear the links. Drive safe out there, and God bless. And a new day has begun. You can see the morning sun if you try. And I know things will be better. I know they will for Chico and the man. Well, the man, he don't trust you. He thinks you're trying to bust up all his dreams. He don't know now.